Amen. Greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name. Amen. The psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So you should always feel encouraged to come to the house of the Lord. Because this is where we get equipped. This is where we get encouraged. This is where we get trained. Because the enemy is out to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So we are continuing with thy kingdom come, but as an introduction today, I want to start by asking you a question. Do you feel like you are a king in charge of your situation, or do you feel like a victim of your circumstances? Because the word talks about the fact that thy kingdom come and that he has created us to be kings, but are your situations dominating over you, that you feel overwhelmed by circumstances, or do you feel like a king who is in charge? Don't have to answer it loud, just ask yourself that question. Because if the Lord wants us to reign and rule in life, he has given us that authority to do it here on the earth. It's not like we will rule only when the Lord comes back. I want you to go with me to the book of Psalms 115 verse 16. We used this scripture last time in the Good News translation. Because when God placed us on the earth, he placed us on earth to have dominion, not to be dominated by the enemy. He did not place us on earth to be tormented by the enemy. He placed us on the earth to have dominion and to rule in life. Actually, God created the heavens and the earth, and he gave the earth to human beings to take charge on the earth. So I want you to go with me, Psalms 115, 16, Good News Translation. It says, heaven belongs to the Lord, but he gave the earth to us humans. So I want you to think of that closely, that when it says heavens belong to the Lord, he gave the earth to us, humans. It means we can't say to God, God, why this on earth? Why that on earth? What about this? What about that? Because he has given the earth to us, humans. Even God himself, even if he wants to do something on the earth, he still needs to go through human beings. So God is so serious about what he puts in place that he doesn't just overrule it and say, because I'm God, I can just do what I want. The Bible says he has exalted his word even above his name. Amen? So in other words, he respects his word. So when he says he has given the earth to us, what do you think he gave the earth, the earth to us to do? Do you think he gave the earth to us to trouble us? can't be. He gave the earth to us. He said what he was doing when he created us. He said, let's create them. After he created everything and prepared everything for us, he then said, let them have dominion on the earth. So he created the earth for us to enjoy it, but also to have dominion over it, to rule in this life. 
and in Amos 3, 7, I'm just showing you that God respects what he has placed on the earth. So even if he can just do anything on earth without consulting anybody, Amos 3, 7 NIV says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. So it says, even if God is sovereign, when he wants to do something on the earth, he has to consult his servants. He's got to reveal his plan. He's got to say, this is what we are going to do. And we gave you an example with Abraham, when Sodom and Gomorrah was to be destroyed, how God said, are we going to hide from Abraham what we are about to do? And then they shared with Abraham what they were going to do. You remember the story. So it therefore means we are here for such a time as this. When we say thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are the people who must enforce God's kingdom on the earth. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 19, verse 11 to 13. Luke 19, 11 to 13, King James Version. It reads, And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. So they were expecting the kingdom of God. He said, therefore, a certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. I want you to note that. He went into a far country to receive a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. I want you to understand that. So this noble man that Jesus was talking about, he was talking about himself. Okay? So he says a certain noble man went into a far country he called his ten servants and said, here are the ten pounds, occupy till I come. Now, do you remember the story of the ten virgins? Here we hear ten servants, ten virgins. And among the ten, five were wise, five were foolish. So it means when Jesus says, occupy till I come, there will be some among us who will occupy until he comes. There will be others among us who will live as if we have forgotten that the Lord is coming back and will be caught off guard like the five foolish virgins. You remember the story? Because it, in my mind, when he talks about those ten virgins, it's like they were all waiting for the Lord as if he's in church. Okay? And it means among those of us here, there are others who are wise and there are others who are foolish. The foolish ones will be caught off guard when the master comes back. Because they will not always be constantly remembering, we are here for a season, and we have been commissioned to occupy till he comes. That word to occupy is like a military term. You are occupying a certain territory. You take charge. And don't any, any territory that you have annexed from the enemy, don't give it back. Amen? So if you have mastered how to get healed by believing God, occupy till he comes. Don't give over that territory to the enemy. If you have mastered how to believe God for your finances and have financial breakthrough, occupy till he comes. Don't allow the enemy 
to take that from you. If you, where you are, you are establishing peace in your family. You've got peace in your family, peace among your relatives and among yourselves, between your wife and your husband and all of you together, your family, your children. He says, occupy till I come. Don't let the enemy come and occupy that territory. So don't allow the enemy to take over any territory that the Lord has given us. So when he says, occupy till I come, for me, it says, he is gone, but he's coming back. But when he is gone, his work must not stop. That's why he has commissioned some of us to occupy until he comes. So if then his work must not stop, then he has to empower us. I want you to get this clearly. He says, occupy till I come. But this certain nobleman, he went away into a far country, but he will return. But before he returns, he says, occupy until I come. Tell your neighbor, the master is coming back. Occupy until he comes. Amen. Now, some of you say, Pastor, I'm overawed, I'm overwhelmed by all that the devil is doing in my life. I really don't know what to do. I'm almost giving up in life. I don't know what else to do. I've tried everything. It's not working. I want to encourage you and say it's not about you. When you occupy until he comes, you don't occupy in your own strength. The one who has mandated you to occupy, he has given you the relevant authority to enable you to occupy. Go with me to the book of John chapter 14. Verse 12 to 21 in the King James Version. John 14, 12 to 21 King James Version. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than this shall he do, because I go unto my Father. I want us to look at that closely together. It says, The one who believes in me, the works that I'm doing, he will be able to do. What works did Jesus do when he was on the earth? He preached the good news, isn't it? He preached the good news of the kingdom. He shared the good news. He healed the sick. He cleansed the lepers. He casted out devils. He raised the, the dead. All the good works that he did, he says, occupy till I come. But the works that I have been doing, continue to do even when I've gone to the Father because I'm going to the Father. But you need to do my work on the earth. Now, verse 14. If you shall, no, verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. I want you to look at this. So he says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. When you are on the earth and you are occupying till I come, when you call for my help, I will be there for you. That's what he's saying. So in other words, I'm saying occupy till I come, but I've placed you on the earth. I know there will be challenges. There will be things that you will meet on the earth. 
But if you call on me, I'll come through for you. Ask me anything and I will do it. Do you know that we are good at asking people for things, but we don't ask God for things? You ask people all the time, you have a need, you're asking this one, asking that one, asking this one, asking that one. Others even end up talking about you. They know that you always keep on asking. Don't you think you should rather ask more from God than from people? God can use people, it's fine. But if I didn't ask you and I asked my God and God touched you and you gave me, then I'm not your slave. Amen? The problem with always relying on people is that you become their slaves. Okay? Because you know, if I do this, hey, this guy, if I do this, he won't like it and he will no longer give me this. You see? Because you are asking from the wrong source. So Jesus says, ask and I will do it. Verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. I want you to look at that because Jesus is building a case here. He says, the works that I do, you will be able to do. But I'm going to the Father. So when I go to the Father, I want to leave you empowered. It doesn't help me go to the Father and all the work that I've been doing can no longer be done because I'm not there, because you are not empowered. So he says, I will ask the Father to give you another comforter. So in other words, I will ask the Father to send my replacement. That's basically what he was saying. Another comforter, another of the same kind, paracletus. Okay? So it says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter <clears throat> that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. You see what Jesus is doing here with us? He's saying the spirit of the Lord will be among you but will also be in you. Now, if you have the Spirit of God in you, you will be able to do what Jesus did by the same Spirit. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Acts 10.38. So, if I repeat this one for you, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want you to look at this because this is well chosen. So when Jesus was on the earth, he was not doing the works that he was doing because he was God. Because then he would not have set an example for us. He came and became flesh. That's why God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Okay? He didn't anoint the heavenly Jesus. <laughs> okay. Acts 10.38. It chooses the words very well. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So it means the works that Jesus did, he did them because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus wants us to do the same work, 
He then says, I'm going to the Father and the Father will give you the same Holy Spirit who has anointed me to do the work so that you can do the work. You get that? So then he says, he will dwell with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So Jesus says, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, it's me coming to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but you see me, because I live, you shall live also. And at that day, you shall know that I am in my Father, and I, you in me, and I in you. What a mixture. It's confusing, isn't it? <laughs> he says, in that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. For us, for something to be on, in something, the one that's in something should be smaller than the one that's containing it. That's how our minds work, isn't it? So he says, I am in the Father. Okay, that sounds fine. And you are in me. That still sounds fine. But when he says, and I in you, now he starts confusing. Okay? So he says, I'm in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. It means we are so much one that you cannot separate us. That's what it means. It's like if you take water from one glass, water from the other glass, and pour it, it becomes one, isn't it? And you can't separate them. It's one. If you take sand, one glass, and sand with the other one, pour it, it becomes one. You can't separate it. So he says, therefore, when I am in you and you are in me, the works that I've been doing, I can continue to do through you. Amen? The issue is that we were always thinking of doing the work of the Father on our own. That's why it sounds like, how will I be able to do that? How can I do this? How can I do this? I hear Jesus did this. I heard Jesus healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, casted out devils, raised the dead, did all these things. How can I do that? Jesus says, I am in you. So I want to continue doing my work through you. Verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. I want you to look at that word, to manifest. It means Jesus wants to show himself in me. He wants to show himself in my life. He wants to show himself in my body. That's why even when I feel like sickness is coming to my body, I say, sickness, you are not permitted in my body because the life of Jesus should be manifested in my body. The spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead quickeneth my mortal body because he says, I will manifest myself to him. So he is showing himself in me, but that's not the end. He also wants to manifest himself through me. But he has to start by manifesting himself to me first before he can manifest through me. This is how the Holy Spirit works. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as a well in you, which means it's for personal use. 
But the Bible also talks about the Holy Spirit out as the river flowing. So when it's a well, it's for personal use. When it's a river, it's going out there to help other people. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So there are people out there who are oppressed. There are people out there who are tormented. And you've got to go out there and deliver them with the power that has been bestowed upon you. Amen? You don't say, I wish Jesus was here. Jesus is here through you. Amen? Because he says, I will be in you. I will manifest myself in you and through you. I want to show the world that I've sent you. That's why when Jesus then left, he says, occupy till I come. But the works that I've been doing, you need to do. Now go with me to the book of Matthew 16, 19 in the Good News Translation. Mr. MJ, Matthew 16, 19, Good News Translation. I want to show you something, okay? And those of you who are in the secular, having a secular job, you know that when somebody delegates you to do their work, sometimes you will be appointed acting, isn't it? They will say you are appointed acting whatever, acting head of whatever, and then they will say, with you have been vested with all the authority and delegations assigned to this post. So it means when you are going to act now, it's like, is that person doing the job? Amen? You have the same authority. So obviously when Jesus says, I'm going to the Father, it would not have been wise for him to go to the Father and leave his work with nobody because the enemy would have taken over. So he says, occupy till I come. I'm giving you territories. The territories that I've annexed, keep them and keep on spreading the kingdom. Don't give in to the enemy. So, but now, I want to give you the ability. You remember he said, I'm asking the Father to give you the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who anointed me to do the works, he will anoint you to do the works. I want to give you the authority. So, Matthew 16, 19, Good News Translation. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Mm. What you prohibit on earth mm. will be prohibited in heaven. Mm. And what you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Amen. I want to show you the words that I used there. You are hearing the words heaven, earth, heaven, earth, heaven, earth. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now he says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, but where do you use that key? On earth. And he says, what you prohibit on earth will be prohibited in heaven. What you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now, you might have heard or you might also have spoken, Lord, I don't know what's happening here. Why are you allowing these things to happen here on the earth? What about this? What about this? He says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You can prohibit things. You can permit them. Now ask your neighbor, what have you been prohibiting? 
What have you been permitting? So it seems like when the enemy wants to run a show in your house and you permit it, you can't blame it on God. Because he gave you the keys of the kingdom of heaven so that you can prohibit it. And when you prohibit it, heaven will also prohibit it for you. When you permit it, heaven will agree that it's done. So that's why for me, I told some of you that even since the start of the corona more than a year ago, we keep on declaring that as a family, that uh, declaration we sent to some of you, the, that confession. One of the sentences there is sickness. You are not permitted in my body. So it means I'm prohibiting sickness in my body. And when I prohibit it, what does this verse say? If I prohibit something, it will also be prohibited by the Father. So in other words, when he gives me the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom, I can't blame him when things are not going well in my life because I've been given the keys. He has bestowed the authority on me. I once gave some of you this example. Let me give this example again because I like it. If I give you, if I give you a key to a house and that key works and then it's raining, and you go, and then you stand at the door and not go in, and you say, if it's the pastor's will, I'll get in. But if it's not his will, I'll just stand here, even if it's raining. And it's raining, and raining hard. Then you say, I'm just waiting on the pastor. Are you really waiting for me when I gave you the keys? Because some of you are saying, it's raining hard on you, and you are saying, I'm just waiting on God. He's given you the keys. So it means when, if I now come there and I find you very wet, and then when I look at you, you say, Pastor, if it's your will, I would have been in and not get wet. What would be my first question to you? Did you lose the key? Because I thought you were in. Isn't it? Because I gave you the key. So ask your neighbor, have you lost the key? <laughs> because you're getting wet and you're saying you're waiting on the Father. When he has given you the key and when he gives you the key, he says there are certain things that you will have to prohibit and they will be prohibited. There are certain things that you will have to permit and they will be permitted. So you've got the authority. You decide. And when you do it, when you prohibit on the earth, heaven will prohibit it. Last week I told you about this, but today let's read this with the verse. Luke 22, 29, AMPC. Mr. MJ, Luke 22, 29, AMPC. Last week I told you about how heaven backs us up just like when in a graduation ceremony, when the dean of a particular faculty <clears throat> would say, Mr. Chancellor, the following candidates have complied with the requirements of such and such a degree. And then the chancellor doesn't have to check and see the scripts of the people who complied 
with the requirements. The chancellor just trusts the dean. That if you say these candidates have complied, I confer the degree. Amen? So similarly, if I declare something, because God has given me the authority, he then confers whatever I declare. And that's why I like it in this, in the AMPC, Luke 22, 29. And as my father has appointed a kingdom and conferred it on me, so do I confer on you the privilege and victory. You see that the chancellor has, has taken something from the Bible. <laughs> so, so when they confer it on you, so it says, as the father has appointed a kingdom and conferred it on me, so do I confer on you the privilege and the decree. Like I said to the other brethren, Jesus confessed the decree, not the degree. The chancellor confessed the degree. Jesus confessed the decree. Okay, so he says, I confer on you the privilege and the decree. So speak like a dean of a faculty. Speak and say, Father, this and this and this and this. And then when you speak it, heaven will back you up. So it says, as the Father has appointed a kingdom and conferred it on me, so do I confer on you the privilege and the decree. So we have to speak. In this kingdom, we rule through words. You know, even when God created the heavens and the earth, he just spoke words. He said, let dry land appear. Let water go to one side. Let the waters be separate. Let the firmament separate water above and water beneath. Let grass and shrubs and trees grow. Just speak like that and things happen, isn't it? Imagine if God were to plant all the, king, all the trees the way you plant things. <laughs> the whole earth. So he just speak it and it happens. It's actually more easier to rule the way God rules. Because you just speak words and things happen. Because you are a king. You've got to exercise the decree. You've got to issue a decree and speak. So the person who understood the decree, this thing of ruling very well, is the centurion. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to 10. We are going to do it in the TLB, the living Bible, the living translation. This one blessed my heart because I understood fully what that Roman centurion was in essence saying. You know that people who are usually in the army, they understand authority very well. They know authority very well. Some of you, you miss this because you don't understand authority. But I want this man, this Roman captain, to teach us authority and how it works. Because Jesus, when this man spoke, Jesus was, Jesus marveled. He was surprised. Imagine if you can surprise Jesus by your faith. Jesus was surprised. The Bible says Jesus marveled. Just like Jesus would marvel at some other people's unbelief. But look at this, Matthew 8, 5 to 10, TLB. It says, when Jesus arrived in Capernaum, a Roman army captain came and pled with him to come to his home 
and heal his servant boy who was in bed, paralyzed and rocked with pain? Yes, Jesus answered, I will come and heal him. Now, I want you to look at verse 8 and 9 closely. Then the officer said, Sir, I'm not worthy to have you in my home, and it isn't necessary for you to come. How? Centurion, how will I heal him if I don't come? So he says, it's not nece even necessary for you to come. How, 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 how are you supposed to do it? Listen to the centurion teaching Jesus. If you will only stand here and say, be healed, my servant will get well. <laughs> did you see what he did? He says, if you just stand here and say, be healed, my servant will get well. He says, I know because I am under authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave boy, do this or that, and he does it. And I know you have authority to tell his sickness to go, and it will go. Did you? I'm reading. I'm not preaching. I'm reading. So let me read again. He says, I have authority over my soldiers, and I say to one, go, he goes, and to another, come, he comes, and to my slave boy, do this or that, and he does it, and I know you, Jesus, have authority to tell his sickness to go, and it will go. Jesus stood there amazed. Turning to the crowd, he said, I haven't seen faith like this in all the land of Israel. Now, let me demonstrate to you what this uh, centurion was saying. Mr. Mungufara, come. Okay. Now, the centurion says, Pastor, you don't even need to go and pull him from his seat. It's not necessary. Just speak a word and he will come. Come this side. That's what the centurion is saying. And he says, after I've been with him, I can say, go. <laughs> you see what Jesus, the centurion was saying? He says, you just need to do it. It's not even necessary for me to go and pull Mr. Mungufara to the fore. And when I want him to go and sit, push him, it's not necessary. I must just speak it. So you've been struggling with a lot of things because you were trying to pull it and push it. Just speak the word. Amen. Amen. And he says, I know this because I've got authority. You see, I've got authority. When I'm here in the pulpit, I can call people, they will come. Even if they are taller than me, I call them, they come. Amen. But imagine what I've just done now. If uh, Makazi has to try that. She saw, me, she saw me calling him and he came. Do you think if Makazi calls him now, he will go? He won't go. She doesn't have the authority. I do. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. So the centurion was saying, I understand authority. When you have authority, you don't have to struggle. Just speak what you want to see happening. And it will happen. So, and I like it even when he says, I know you have authority to tell sickness. 
That's why I say I'm liking it in TLB. Okay, maybe people will think I'm reading it uh, myself. So somebody who's got TLB, you read it, then they know it's not just in my Bible. Somebody who's got the Living Bible, TLB, you've got it. It's uh, read verse 8 and 9 in uh, Matthew 8. 8 and 9, because he said at first, he talks about, you stand here and just say, be healed. My servant will be healed. Just speak it. Okay, read it, 8 and 9. Then the officer said, sir, I am not worthy to have you in my home, and isn't necessary for you to come. Mm. If you will only stand here and say, be healed. My servant will get well. You see how simple he says, the centurion said it is. He says, you just stand here and say, be healed, and my servant will get well. How does he know that? I know because I am under the authority of my supervisor officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave boy, do this in front of me, or that, and he does it. And I know you have authority to tell his sicknesses to go, and it will go. I like that. So, the centurion says, I know you have authority to tell sickness to go, and it will go. I also know that. I know I've got authority to tell sickness to go, and it will go. And it's not going because I'm a pastor. It's going because I believe in the Lord. Because Jesus said, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do. So, you, if you are a believer, you can do what Jesus did. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So, you say, go, sickness, go, sickness. You are not permitted in my body. And speak it, keep on speaking it. And it has to go. Because when we speak things and things happen, then it shows that the kingdom actually is coming in among us. Because I told you that kingdom means where the king has dominion, where the king has domain. In Luke 10.9 and Luke 11.20, I'll just read these ones and pass them because I want to pull you to something that we, we're going to start descending with. Luke 10.9, New King James Version says, and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Luke 11.20, AMPC, and if I drive out the demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has already come upon you. I want you to see those two. So he says, when you do the works of Jesus, it shows that the kingdom has come where those people are because Jesus is reigning. So in other words, if sickness was tormenting this person and you go there and say, be healed in the name of Jesus, and when that sickness goes, it means the kingdom of God has come. The will of God is manifested there. You can see that the king has taken dominion. The king has taken authority. Now, we like to be kings and priests unto our God, isn't it? We say we are kings. But what kind of a king art thou if thou rulest not? Amen. Yeah, the King James would have asked you that question. What kind of a king art thou if thou rulest not? So thou must rule 
Because thou art a king. Amen. So, when we are in a place, we need to decree things, prohibit things, permit things, and not keep on saying we are waiting for the Lord and getting wet while waiting. Use the key. You have the authority. So he says, I'm going to the Father, but I'm leaving you having authority. And when he leaves us with authority, I want you to go with me to the book of Luke chapter 10. We, we, we have begun our descent now. So when he has given us this authority, he wants us to use the authority not just to make us feel good. Because sometimes, you know that if you pray for somebody and they get well, you feel good, isn't it? You pray, you cast out devils and the devils go, you feel good. Okay? You pray for something, it happens, you feel good. Okay? So now look at this. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to 20 in the New King James. It was after the disciples were sent to go and preach the gospel, cast out devils, heal the sick. And when the 70 returned with, then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. I want you to listen to this and read this closely. The 70 were not sent only to cast out demons. They were sent first to preach the gospel. Okay? Heal the sick. Cast out devils. Cleanse the leper. Raise the dead. Okay? But when they returned with joy, they said, Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. They were excited that they could cast out devils and devils would obey them. Now listen to how Jesus takes it. He doesn't say it's wrong to be excited when the Lord is using us. But he wants us to have our priorities right. He says, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So he is affirming the authority. So when he says, I give you authority, I told you when you are given a letter to act on a particular position, you've got the authority, you've got the delegation to do what that post requires. So it says, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I just want to zoom a little bit on this. When he says he's giving us authority over all the power of the enemy, is some of power of the enemy excluded from all? He says, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Did you see that? I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. So I, 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 let me give this example which I gave the brethren in the morning. I said, I always have a challenge about Christians who fear to be bewitched. Who are even fighting with people because that one wanted to bewitch me. Being a Christian. When I read this, Jesus says, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Tell your neighbor, 
even witchcraft is included on the powers of the enemy. Because he says he gives you authority over all the power of the enemy. Do you think when those who want to bewitch you, do you think they are using the power of God to bewitch you? Mm-mm. They are using the power of the enemy. So if your God is greater, how, how gettest thou bewitched? Amen. He says, I give you authority to trample on all serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And then he says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus chooses his words well. He doesn't say, and nothing shall hurt you. Okay. I gave this example. Let me give it again. You, 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 when the coronavirus came and it was hurting people, it came in a certain means. And people established vaccines in that means. And then the virus realized, this way we will get killed much. Let's use another means. Then it came with a, a different strain. So if it was in this verse, if it only said nothing will hurt you, or that will not hurt you, without saying, by any means. Then it means when the enemy thinks that he's getting more cleverer, even when he gets more cleverer, he's still not up to standard. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will always lift up a standard against you. Amen? So he says, nothing shall by any means hurt you, even if it's a, it's a variant Okay, different strain. It still will not be able to hurt you. God can't say, Ish, I was only prepared for the first wave. Ish, how didn't we think of this? Now the, now the virus has mutated. Do you, think, do you think God, because here it says nothing shall by any means. So it can mutate. It can come the new way. Even the other variants that we don't know yet. He says, nothing shall by any means hurt me. And he is reliable, trustworthy, and true to his word. Amen. Amen. But he says, this way I said, he then poured some cold water just to cool us down a bit. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen? So he says, it's good that you are occupying and exercising authority, but remember he is coming back. Amen? You remember somewhere where the Bible says, others will come in the last days and say, Lord, haven't we casted out devils in your name? Haven't we done miracles in your name? And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. You remember that verse? So meaning, it's good to be used mightily by God, but that is not it. The real it is that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life, and then occupy till he comes. In other words, as I'm occupying, as I'm taking authority, I don't forget that he's coming back. So ask your neighbor, is your name written 
in the book of life? And tell your neighbor, if you don't know, it means it's not written. <laughs> because it doesn't get written by mistake. <laughs> tell them, if you don't know, it means it's not written. Because it doesn't get written by mistake. By the way, do you know that not even your wife can write the name for you? Yeah. You've, it got to be written between you and your God. So let's look at it in the book of Revelation. I'm going to end with this one. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12 to verse 15. We do it in the NIV. Because we need to understand this, that as we are exercising authority, as we say thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to look at it in two ways. One, it's occupy. In other words, it's us where, where Jesus says, if I cast out devils, if I do the works of Jesus, it means the kingdom of God has come. But we also know that he said he's going into a far country to receive a kingdom and to come back, okay? So, he's still coming back to rule for eternity. Amen? So, as we are occupying, let's not forget that he's coming back. So, the key thing is about our names being written in the book of life. And then, we occupy until he comes. Then you've got your priorities right. You won't be like those ones that were told, I never knew you. When they said, but we casted out devils, we did this. Because sometimes we focus so much on what we are doing more than on our relationship with the master. So Jesus says, it's not wrong that you are excited that the demons are subjected to you. Actually, I've given you authority. Nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, rejoice in that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, Revelations 12, 20, 12 to 15 NIV. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. Did you see that? The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So you will not be judged according to what people are accusing you of. Did you see that verse? Yeah. It says the dead were, each one was judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. I want you to look at this closely because I told you when I began here that we hear the story of the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. And I said, it means in the body of Christ there may still be others who are not ready for his coming. Now here he talks about the dead, all of them appearing before the throne. And they were judged according to what they had done. But the sea gave up their dead. And this is what I was thinking. Sometimes you would think, if somebody, let's say an aeroplane crashed into the sea 
and then people, all of them died there. The, the, the Titanic sink and people died there. You would think because they were not buried, maybe they will not resurrect. No, all of you. All of you. So the sea, it says the sea gave up all the dead that were in it. The sea says, uh -uh. I don't want to hide you anymore. And then death gave up all the dead that were in it. Graves gave up the dead that were in it. So if you will be in any of the place, whether grave or anywhere or death or sea, anywhere where you die and be, you will have to be given up for judgment. Okay? Now, verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Verse 15. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. Okay. Now, when he talks about anyone, it's individualizing. Okay? Because sometimes we get influenced by our friends. Okay? <laughs> Let's say now you are deceiving each other with your friends and doing, oh, ah, no. These things of the kingdom, what now? This is just a Western invention, man, to, to bring peace or to steal our land. And then you keep on doing that with your friends, and your name is not found in the book. Now you die. And your friend in your funeral realizes, ish, this is serious. <laughs> I mean, this guy was talking as if he won't die. Now he's gone. Hey, it's serious. No, I think I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Now we accept Jesus in your funeral. And when we go the other side, you think that when you are thrown into the lake of fire, you think your friend, you will find him. No, your friend repented in your funeral. It's on the other side. So therefore, this is about an individual. Amen. It's not even about somebody going and enlist a name for you. Because if you don't know whether your name is written, it means it's not written in the book of life. It doesn't get written by mistake. Okay? It gets written as you accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Say, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus died for my sin. And he rose again from the dead. Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. And when I have accepted Jesus as my Lord, I know my name is written in the book of life. Amen. So now, if you are not sure whether your name is written in the book of life, it doesn't help us encouraging you to occupy till he comes, taking authority. Then you will be like those people who say, haven't we cast out devils in your name? Haven't we done this? That's good to do those things. But let's do them after making sure that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you want your name to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life and to be sure, after church, a few minutes, I will go to the office. Whether it's because you were getting a bit lukewarm and now you're no longer sure, or you never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you backslid, the Lord wants you to take you back home 
and the name gets written, not enlisted by a friend, but you yourself, as you accept it. When you say, thy kingdom come, we are occupying till he comes. We are enforcing the kingdom of God when we are here on the earth. Because Jesus said, if you do my works, then the kingdom of God has come. But we are also expecting the Lord to come back again. And to take us to account. And those of us who have lived right before him, we are going to spend eternity with him. Those who have rejected the Lord Jesus as their savior, and their names are not found written in the book, they will be thrown into the lake. That is the scripture. So I want us to stand up and thank God for the word that we've had. <clears throat> Whichever way that the Lord has been ministering to you about his kingdom being established through you, about you taking authority and exercising the authority and the delegated power that you have. Also about you being ready for his coming. And you will not be caught off guard like the five foolish virgins. You will be like the five wise men. Let us pray and thank God. Father, in the name of Jesus.